0: I want to thank Jimmy for inviting me to come preach today on such a beautiful day. Thank you, Jimmy. Jimmy told me he's been doing a series on what it means to follow Christ. And then he said, Troy, I want you to do the part where it's unfollow Christ. I think you'll be perfect for it. Nice preacher y'all have here at the Kerrville Church of Christ. Y'all seen the commercials for the world's most interesting man? Y'all seen those? Yes, they are very, very funny, aren't they? I am not that man, okay? But I do have some quirky things about me that you might not know. First of all, I love to read magazines from the back to the front. I don't know why I've always done this. When I got the J.T. Penney's Christmas catalog, which, by the way, I hope all the kids are out. Gary, what's the next holiday? Say, Christmas is coming, and we know it, okay? Now, we're going to eat on Thursday and watch a Cowboys victory, but Christmas is coming. And I used to read these magazines from the back to the front. I tried it with books. It didn't work out so well. But magazines, in my quirkiness, I've read from the back to the front ever since I was a little boy. Some of you might not know it, but I'm actually a professional golfer on the side. This year, I claimed the runner-up trophy to the Buckhorn Open. There was only three people in that tournament with my brother Doug being the champion, but it still was a legitimate golf tournament, and next year I'm winning that thing. But probably the craziest quirk about me that you might not know, and I remember this from a long time ago, I don't like to go the wrong way when I'm driving.
1: And what I mean by
0: that is when I'm on the interstate or I'm on the road and I have to pull over to a convenience store to get gas or to get food or to use the restroom, I I don't like going and then going over the interstate to the other side. And I'm not joking around about that. Anyone who's traveled with me, even though it might have hurt their bladder in the process, understand that. I just can't. And I'm certainly not going to get on the road, go over the interstate, turn around to something. I mean, I just can't. i got to get off on the exit road. There is the place I want to go, and then I get back on. I don't like going the wrong way. I like following the path that has been given to me. Set in the back of your head. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Of a Father God, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for this weather. Father, I do. I thank you for rain. Any chance that we have for rain, any chance that we have for cool weather, Lord, uh, we know what's coming very, very soon. So we rejoice in the season. Father, the, uh, the whole energy, Father, of the holiday season. Father, time to be thankful on Thursday. We want to be thankful every day, but Thursday, a time when the whole country comes together to celebrate all the things. Father, we pray for all the people that are in San Antonio this weekend at the conference. Lord, we pray that you are a blessing. May we never be people that take for granted the blessings of our life, of air to breathe, food on our plate, employment, and our health. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. So the scripture that I was going to read to you, that should have been up there, because all of the other ones, as you can see, had happy endings. It was about Moses being obedient. It was about Esther standing up for her people. It was about Peter crying out to the Lord in repentance. It was about Paul being this great preacher. It was about the woman caught in adultery who then was given a second chance. And the verse that should have been up there was Second Samuel with David, where David confesses with his mouth, I have sinned against the Lord. Six stories, six happy endings, but they didn't start that way. They started with six people that were unfollowed, that had chosen a different path. And you might be surprised to say, wait a minute, David, Moses, Esther, Peter, Paul, these are our heroes. These are people that we grew up with saying, you need to be like them. How many times have you heard David had a heart like God? Moses led his people out of Egypt. I mean, these guys are heroes, Esther, at such a time as this. Famous verse. But yet, for a time in their lives, they were all unfollowers. Moses and his insecurities. Insecurities is a beast, isn't it? God tells them through a burning bush. Now, I want you to picture this. Don't let the story go over. A burning bush. God is there. God says, I am God. Moses says, fear. So, obviously, it was a pretty fearful sight to behold. Moses knew that he was in God's presence. God tells him, I am God, and I am going to lead my people out. So, you would think if God says those words, you would listen. I don't know about you guys, but if a burning bush appeared right here, and God says, this is what's going to happen today, I would believe it. Moses' response, number one, am I to go do this? God has patience with him and says, I'll be with you. So now, of course, Moses starts to follow, right? No, nope, Moses number two. Crazy thing to ask. What if they ask, what's your name? He's stalling. He didn't want to go. God says, you tell them, I am. What a response. So now, of course, Moses will stop unfollowing and follow, right? No, Moses says, what if they don't believe? Number three. So God takes the staff and turns it into a snake. Scripture says that Moses was afraid and ran away from the snake. So we're not talking about a little garden snake here. We're talking about a snake snake. Okay? Snake snake. Third sign. God says, pick it up by the tail and it'll turn back into a staff. And it does. So now surely Moses will go from unfollowing to follow and know Number four, Moses says, oh, Lord, please, I'm slow of speech and tongue. I'm not eloquent. fourth time he questions God, and God says, I will help you. And finally, Moses knows he can't stall anymore, and he finally at least has the courage to say straight to God's face, just send someone else. The scripture says that God's anger burns. God's anger burns. Five times. Five times. I mean, it only takes me telling my kids four times before they'll do something. Right? Except for Taylor, who never does it the way I tell him to do it. But imagine this burning bush. God there. Moses knows it's God. There's no like, I wonder what that burning bush is. And it takes five times because of Moses' insecurities for him to finally... What the scripture said, which is the happy part, he finally then opened. Boy, insecurities, thinking we're not worthy, can lead us lead us down a path of not following. But what about David? What about David and his pride? The scripture tells us that it says when kings go off to war, David was a king. David stayed behind. And as he was just hanging out on his rooftop, he looks and sees Bathsheba. So we start off with pride of being at the wrong place at the wrong time. What pride can lead us down to a path of not following. Many of you know it's hard to hide it one way or another, and I've shared it with this congregation, that one of my struggles is with food. I've been doing well lately, but every day when I wake up, I ask for humility, and I ask for the strength to make it through. And one of the things that I do is realize that I can't do this on my own. And so I make sure I'm not at the wrong place at the wrong time. When donors say, where would you like to meet for coffee? I don't say Krispy Kreme donuts. That would be bad. But yet David started off being at the wrong place at the wrong time. So then, David, a hero of our faith, maybe he didn't know Bathsheba was married, but no scripture tells us he asked, who is that? And they say, oh, that's Bathsheba. That's Uriah's wife. And David's like, oh, whoa, wife. No, no, no. You know, his pride then says, go get her. So we're at the wrong place at the wrong time. We then do this act, and then when Bathsheba comes up present, we then go into Lying, drunkenness, murder, pride. Then, when Nathan the prophet says, Hey David, I want to see you. He still doesn't get it. Now in the Old Testament, when a prophet came to you, it was not good news. It would be like getting called to the principal's office in elementary school. When kids get called to the principal's office, they don't, oh, that's great. I wonder what great news he has for me. You know something's up. And David had no clue. Nathan comes in, and then Nathan goes, let me tell you a story. Oh, David, come on. The Bible says you were handsome, but maybe you weren't so smart, bro. Okay? Because think about it. He says, i got to tell you a story. And there's this man who had everything. And there was this other man who had very little. And the man who had everything took the one thing that man, the man that had very little had. And you would think at this point, David would say, oh my gosh, he's talking about me. Or he'd make up an excuse and go, wait a minute, maybe that man who had everything didn't really have it. No, he'd go, I can't believe this. This is going on? Who is that man? Show him to me. I'll take care of it. Oh, now you're busted. And Nathan says, you are that. Look at all the times that he didn't follow. But then in the Scripture, we have the hat. Where David says what? I have insecurities with Moses, pride in David. Don't throw things at me. Let's look at Esther. Let's just look at the facts. Esther was in a pretty good place in her life. She was well taken care of. She didn't have to worry about being hungry, about having a roof over her head. Obviously, outwardly, she had immense beauty. She Please the king. She was in a good, selfish place. And the reason I say that is because Scripture says Mordecai told her, look, they're going to kill all of our people. All of our people. She knew this. We need you to approach the king. And Esther's first response and her selfishness was, "Um, if you approach the king, you can die going to take care of myself. The whole nation is counting on you. Your first response is selfishness. Oh, what selfishness can lead to a path of not following Christ. And then Mordecai comes back to her, though, and says, don't think that God won't. Raise up another to deliver us, and it's really Mordecai who says the words to shock Esther. Esther doesn't say the words. Well, maybe I'm here for such a time as this. Mordecai says it to her and says, "Maybe you were there for such a time as this, young lady." And then we read the scripture where Esther says, "Okay, let's do it. You're right. I am going to come out of my selfishness, and if I perish, I..." Perish. We have the insecurities with Moses, the pride with David, the selfishness with Esther. But maybe that's just Old Testament. What about Peter? Peter is told about a day before he denies Christ three times, he's told by Christ, you're going to deny me three times. Let that sink in for a minute. If Jesus was here right now and says, Troy, tomorrow you are going to do this thing, what would I avoid like crazy tomorrow? That one thing. Fear is a nasty, nasty Jesus that keeps us from following Christ. Peter was a disciple. He was one of the original ones. He had seen Jesus. He had seen the miracle. Peter actually jumped out and walked on the water. And Jesus told him, "You're going to deny me." And Peter looked at Jesus and said, "I will not deny you." And the next day, when people question him out of fear, he denies him three times. In a row. But then we read the scripture that says Peter wept, wept bitterly, and then Peter became the rock of the church. And security pride, selfishness, fear, all things that can lead us down a path to unfollow. Paul, who was Saul at the time, self-righteous Saul. Uh, But this doesn't apply to any of us in here. None of us think that we are better than others. We're not better than others because of maybe the way we were raised or the country that we were blessed to be born in or the color of our skin or out of money in our bank account. Saul was a killer, a Christian, a murderer. He certainly, if anyone, because of his self-righteousness, was an unfollower of Christ. And yet, Saul becomes Paul and becomes Paul, all people, correct me, someone needs to correct me, come on up, correct me, all five, Moses, David, Esther, Peter, Paul, that I'm putting my money on, right now, right now are in heaven, agree, y'all with me, yeah, shake your head, it's alright, Nothing bad's going to have to shake your head, okay, all five, okay, one denied our Lord and Savior. We've got murderers in the group. We've got selfish people in the group. We've got people that had insecurity. We have people that just blatantly said no. And where are they today? They are with our Lord and Savior. If that doesn't give you hope, I do not know what does. We look at these characters in the Bible and sometimes we look at them with stained glass lenses. You know what that means? We look at them like, oh, they could anything wrong. Matter of fact, when I was talking about Esther with my daughter Emily, who loves Esther, she kinda of looked at me weird like, don't be messing with Esther. Esther's my hero, don't be messing with that. Well, that's true! Read the scripture, it's true! Right? We see Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in the Old Testament, when they were told to do something for foreigners, say, we ain't doing it! Esther is told, hey, go marry a foreign king, which is, and she's like, alright, cool. Yeah. I'm gonna be taken care of. The first time she's approached, she says, What? No, I'm not doing it.
1: They're real
0: people. That should bring you hope. They're real people who have real issues and real struggles and had really bad sins. Really, really bad sins. And yet, we see in Scripture the happy ending. We see him turn the car around from unfollowing. All right, so I told you I was going to tell you a story about one of my quirks, which is I don't like going the wrong way. So about a month ago, I'm in deep ass east Texas, which I don't mean to offend anyone, but that's a, that's a weird place to be in deep east Texas. I don't, you guys, it's all tiny woods, and you feel like you're going to die, and it's a horror movie and all this, but I'm in deep east Texas, and I have a late night dinner with a donor, and the next morning, it had been a four-day road trip, I'm ready to get home tired. I'm ready to get home. So it's a long, it's about a six-hour drive from where I'm at to get back to Wimberley. So I'll wake up early the next morning. I hit the road. And about an hour, two hours later, I need coffee really bad. I love McDonald's coffee. It's cheap and it's good. And I see one, but it's where Highway 79 and Interstate 45 that goes down to Houston intersect. And the McDonald's is on the wrong corner. And I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I need the coffee. But, I, I mean, I'm serious. This is a quirk, y'all, y'all think I'm joking. Anyone who's ridden with me, Scott Stumble, okay, you. I don't let Scott Stumble pull over and go to the bathroom when he rides with me. He's got to hold it. Okay? And so I see it. It's on the corner. And I'm finally like, i got to get it. So I go. And when I get on the road to go to the McDonald's, I'm on Highway 79 towards Austin. To give you kind of an idea, 45 goes down south. Almost exactly the opposite way. So I go and I get on the ramp thinking the McDonald's is right there. And it was the next road, and I'm now on the ramp to get up on 45 going the wrong way. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And I look behind me, and there's an 18-wheeler, and I can't nothing I can do. Now I'm I'm mad. I'm really mad, okay? And I get up on the interstate, and I start going south, but I'm like, okay, I'll find a place to turn around, get back to where I'm at, et cetera. So I start driving four, five, six miles. Not another exit. I start seeing in the middle of the media these little openings that you can go through, you know, to get on the other side. And it says the word, authorized vehicles only.
1: And I'm literally going,
0: well, my mom would say I'm authorized. She would say I could do that, right? Because it just drives me nuts to be going the wrong way. And I keep going, and I'm going. I call my friend Joel at work because I don't have all that GPS nonsense. I'm like, dude, here's where I'm at. I'm about to go ballistic. you got to help me. He goes, okay, there's a little road, Highway 7, down a little bit, and it will get you kind of back to 79 sooner or later. I'm like, that's fine. As long as I'm now pointed in the right direction, I'll feel better. So I turn on that road. Five minutes later, I come to a construction site, to a stop and I'm the first one. And I roll down my window to the really nice guy who has a stop bill. I don't want to be mad. I just go, hey, what, what's going on? How long? He goes, man, you looking at probably 30. So I turn around, go back to 45, north now, get back to the McDonald's line. One hour and 12 minutes from when I first thought I was I get in the line at McDonald's, and I think the lady in front of me was ordering for the whole dad's okay. And I sit there, and I've already asked for forgiveness. And I call my brother, Doug, and tell him about the whole story. And he, of course, is a huge support and tells me to calm down. No, he just laughs the whole time. Finally, I get my coffee, and I get back on Highway 79. And yes, I still had four long hours to go before I saw my precious family after week on four days. But it was like this weight was lifted off me because I was going the right way again. You with me? Y'all there? Okay? When you turn things around and you start going the right way, it doesn't mean things all of a sudden get perfect. Moses still had issues. Don't tell me Esther wasn't still frightened to get out of her selfishness. Peter, we know, had problems. Paul, we know, had problems. Paul talked about thorns in the side, having conversations with people. But once you make that decision to turn, yes, it's a burden lifted off of you, but it doesn't mean things are perfect. It means you hang in there and you're in the fight. And I think for a lot of us, we are like that last story of the woman who caught in adultery, and for whatever reason, she's just lost her way. The scripture doesn't tell us if it was her first offense or multiple offenses. We don't know exactly what happened, but we know that she was caught in the act, which was punishable by death, and every right to kill her, and yet Jesus comes in and gives her a second chance. If we're here today, and we've lost our way, we have what? We don't know what happened to her after that. Jesus says, who's here to condemn you? And she's like, nobody. She's like, then neither am I. Go and sin no more. And we hope that she didn't. But I don't know. But here's what I do know she's got She's gone. Okay. So what does that mean for us? Well, it means three things, in my opinion. Number one, it means we've got to determine what? Causing us to be unfaulked. For some, it might be some of the examples I mentioned. It might be insecurity, not thinking we're worthy It might be self righteousness. It might be fear or selfishness. Or just add stuff in the Lord. And guys, it's not rocket science to identify where you're struggling. You take it and you compare it. need a doctorate, don't need to know a second language, just read the book. If that's not good enough, look at the Ten Commandments, look at the Sermon on the Mount, look at a couple of Paul's teachings, and you've got a great baseline to go from right there. Identify, where are you struggling in your life? What are the things that are causing you to be an unfollower? Once you identify those, you got to make a choice. Are you going to get in the fight or not? I love you. A couple of the biggest regrets of my life have been times when I ran away from the fight. Issues that it was far easier just to act like they didn't exist and go on to something else. Where I could have stayed and it made a difference, although it would have been hard. And this is going to be hard. But really the question is, are you going to choose to get in the fight? If you are a negative person, or you struggle with gossip, or you struggle with anger, or you have some type of physical addiction, are you going to get in the fight? It doesn't mean it's all solved tomorrow morning when you wake up, but are you going to wake up going, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to get the help I need. I'm going to be in prayer about these things. I'm going to choose to be in the fight. And how do you do it? You hate what it is. You stay away from it at all costs. So do those three things. I have found it helps. So I'll go first, okay? I struggle with fear of my children. God has blessed me with six incredible children. Three older, three younger. The two little boys will conquer the world someday, I have no doubt. Abby is a bowl of vanilla pudding. I mean, don't even try to tell me your babies is cute. That's cute. That's funny. Abby is, oh my gosh, she is just amazing. They are precious. And I struggle with fear. I'm the guy where if one of them running a 98.7 fever, I'm like, emergency room? You need to go to the emergency room? 98.7? And Bonnie's like, no, we don't need it. They're going to be okay. I struggle with fear. If they're sick, I go to the internet. You know, WebMD, that's smart. 98.7 fever. They have some rare disease from South. No, they don't. And I read through the six articles until I get to the one that says 98.7, that's no big deal. And instead of relying on God, I rely on some anonymous source who tells me 98.7. Is a, oh, okay then. I struggle with fear for my children. So every morning when I wake up, especially when I'm gone, when I'm there, I feel like I have a handle on it, but I'm gone a lot. So when I'm gone, I really, really struggle with it, and that's got to be part of my morning prayer life. If not, I find that I really struggle with it later in the day. That morning, say, God, they are in your hands. Number one, they're in Bonnie's hands with us. But then number two, Lord, they're in your hands, and I trust you. I trust that you gave them to me, and I trust that you will, will take care of it. And it doesn't mean it magically goes away. If Bonnie calls me like she did the other night when Abby running a pretty high fever, it doesn't mean I'm like, oh, huh, I don't care anymore. Yeah, I'm just going to go to bed. No, but it helps. I'm in the fight. So you need to put your... That's all I'm going to give you on mine. Do I have more? Yeah, but it'll cost you money. More to hear the rest of us. So I'm just going to give you the fear part. Y'all with me? It's your choice. You can listen to me or you can walk out and get excited about eating lunch somewhere and not... But I'm telling you, this is legit stuff. It's up to you. You know you struggle in Samaria. We all do. It's okay. It doesn't mean you're not worthy. It doesn't mean you're a horrible person. It means we struggle with it. you got to choose prayer for the past two weeks as I've known I was going to be able to preach and three folks. Number one, if you're in the audience and you're not a follower of Christ, I'm hoping something I would say, something that God put on my heart, can just convict you to start thinking about a relationship with the King of Kings of the Lord. I don't know what to say except I'll just give you my personal testimony. I'm blessed. I'm blessed with two parents who raised me right. I'm blessed with siblings who I still call my best friends. I'm blessed with nieces and nephews that I adore. I'm blessed with a beautiful wife who I do not deserve. I'm blessed with six beautiful children. I'm blessed with a job that's not a job, it's a calling. Unreal, right? And I'm here to tell you, much as I love all those things, none of those things bring me That's my testimony. If you talk to other people who know Christ Jesus, I guarantee there's stories that will blow your mind, stories of people hitting rock rock bottom because of Jesus. They're now back to the level. So if you're not a believer, I encourage you to talk to someone who is. I want you to think about this as well. This really hit me.
1: I think a lot of times
0: people say, well, I'm not worthy. You only knew what I did, right? Well, I just read you. I just read to you five different heroes of faith in the Bible that did horrible things. Horrible. And I think sometimes we need to stop looking to the left and to the right of us and focus on ourselves. This is not about the person to your left or the person to your right. This is about you. Get over it. Have an honest conversation. You'd be surprised what comes from second group that we talk to anytime you preach or you want to hopefully encourage them is people that are already believers. People that have already made that decision to follow Christ. People that have experienced coming out of the water. Which is the ultimate, isn't it? And yet maybe they've lost their way. Maybe they haven't lost their way completely, but there's areas in their life where they are unfollowing Christ. What I will say to you is the Scripture that is one of my favorites. And in 2 Corinthians 4.16 It says, Therefore do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed faith day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It all goes away. There is a place where there is no more crying, no more brokenness, no more pain, no more sorrow. And that brings you Even on the days where I don't do well and I unfollow. Moses, and David, and Esther, and Peter, and Paul for being real people. Thank you, though, for once you were unfollowing in either A, you had a personal, personal situation where you experienced God or someone like a Mordecai brought it to your attention. You made the decision to confess, repent, obey, and then we know the great things that happened. Moses brought him out of Egypt. David did wonderful things. Esther, for saved her people. Peter, Paul, and thank you for being real. Guys, that should give us hope. So, if you're unfollowing today, I just ask: think about it. Think about ways that you can do better. Think about areas in your life where you can realize, "I want to be a Let's pray that we have Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for your holy word. Father, we thank You for stories in Your Word that bring us hope, that are honest and open and that we can glean from it such amazing things to realize that we are worthy. Father, we are worthy. Your Son came and died for all of us. It does not matter what it is in our past. What matters is what we do right now. This moment. Father, I pray that for anyone who is out there been thinking kind of talking about a relationship with your son. You will continue to put people in front of them that will help them through that. And they will continue to look to your word, Lord. That they will have honest, open communication with you. That They will realize that you are a big God, Lord. You can handle questions from them. You can handle even being yelled at. Father, I pray that they will turn towards you and not awake. Lord, for all of us who every day we wake up and world and we deal with issues and we deal with selfishness and fear and insecurities and all the things that have been around and dawn of Father, I pray that you would listen. Keep our eyes on this eternal glory in this way. We love you so much.